You are listening to an episode of the Technology Consulting Series on Design Talk. Hello, I'm Emma. I'm Soumya. And our guest today is Matteo Kalina, Chief Software Architect at Nearform. Among other things, Matteo is an active open source contributor, is on the steering committee for Node.js, and over his career has developed a deep understanding of the business of consulting. Thank you for joining us, Matteo. Can you start by de- telling us a little more about yourself? Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so happy to be uh, to be here, folks. So, um, okay, uh, let's a little bit about a uh, bit a bit about me. I have been uh, working in the in the industry for maybe roughly fifteen years, some something about that. And uh, but I've been developing software for probably thirty. So it's been quite a, it's been quite a journey. So I know very much how to to write software. I would have to say, um, it's. Uh, uh, I have uh, part of the reason why I ended up being uh, working for an Irish company. I live in Italy, by the way. So I live I live near Bologna. I live in Forlì, near, which is a city near Bologna. It's an hour drive from there. It's uh, uh, so I ended up uh, working for an Irish company because back in twenty thirteen. Well, yeah, back in twenty thirteen, probably twenty twelve. Oh, it was probably twenty twelve. In twenty twelve, I was. Um, in uh, uh, I was uh, in I was in Ireland. It was 2013. Sorry, it was totally 2013. Yeah, 2013. And I was uh, um, in I was in Ireland, and uh, uh, I was uh, because of my PhD. So I ended up uh, I was visiting Derry in, in Galway. So I was doing some uh, uh, part of my PhD research in over there. Lived there for six, for seven months. Um, it was an amazing summer, by the way. I got the, the, the heavy rain winter and they got the fantastic summertime in Galway. So I don't know. It was a very nice uh, town to, to live in. And uh, I ended up meeting the founders of Nearform uh, and I went visiting in the office and I ended up being there. So we started, the, they started, I would join when we were 14. Now we are over 250 people at the company. So I, when I joined, we were 14, now 250. So I've been part of this amazing growth and experienced it, all the problems and the pain about uh, building a, a, a software solution company uh, anyway, uh, doing a, working in the business of, uh, of consulting. Before doing the PhD, I worked a year as a, um, uh, as a software consultant, if we want to call it that way, as a junior software consultant. Is that a thing? Okay. We can go that. Uh, we can go back in a little bit about it, and it's it it didn't work uh, that well. In fact, I went back from I left the industry, go back to school because I didn't want to stay in the industry in that industry anyway. So, yeah, that's me. That's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. So let's start with the darker side of business consulting, um, going along the lines of the theory that. Um, cheaply paid juniors are in permanent crunch mode and lots of consulting firms um, have really high employee churn. Um, so, yeah, I'm not necessarily uh, happy with that status quo, okay? I think if if you are a consultant, okay, you need to have experience to share. You need to have know-how that you want and can share to others, 
Okay. Otherwise, you're not really a consultant. You are, you know, manpower. And, you know, you can hire manpower and have manpower deliver things. If you are a consultant, if you are there to help somebody, you're not there to be trained by somebody else. Like, you know, that's the that's one of my main concern of all these uh, um, consulting firms, whatever, uh, offering uh, uh, junior staff to... Uh, uh, to clients, it's, you know, okay, so it's a junior, especially in tech, okay, it's a junior, so if it's somebody's a junior, he really needs to learn the, the job, right? If it's not, it won't be a junior. Now, um, so you're a junior, if somebody's a junior, and they have been, I'm actually, uh, you know, selling their time or doing a project with them on it, and they are paid, and the client is paying for their work, However, what the client is paying really is for them to learn the, their craft. Okay, so basically I am selling. So I have the client pay for them to learn and I'm also doing a markup on it. Now, I'm not necessarily happy with... I won't be happy as a client. I, I'm not, I don't think it's good for the people because then it creates certain dynamics that in those years where you would need to learn the most, you are left doing, um, uh, you know, if if you are lucky, you will learn a lot. But if you are unlucky, you will just end up doing silly tasks all the time. So it's um, that's one of the problems of those things. So if uh, they depend on the project, depend on the company and so on, I don't think it's, it's the best environment, especially in tech, to for people to learn. And uh, for clients to have those people do their services, perform perform their craft. Okay, now a lot of those like there are good companies that hire juniors and can train them, but that's you know most of the time it's not consultancy com consultancy companies or professional services companies. And yet, the business of consulting is hugely important for client organization. So, what does it take to get good at the consultancy? Uh, so, especially, uh, like, my main concern on that is that, you know, it's, you need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to talk to people as well as to, um, you need to be able to talk. And you need to be able to um, uh, communicate your uh, your thoughts and your ideas. Those are what I do is a technical profession, okay? And you need to be good at, you need to know your craft, but you also need to be able to communicate what you know. So uh, those, by the way, are the same qualities that you would probably want from any uh, serious professional in, the, in their field. You want them to be good, but also to explain why they are doing certain things, right? Otherwise, it's, uh, they're just sitting in a vacuum. So yeah, that's essentially the it it's uh, um, also uh, you know uh, in 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 technology. Okay, let's put it in order to be a, a uh, in order to really a be to be a really proficient engineer to be a profi uh, to be productive as an engineer, more or less with little supervision. You need to at least be doing this for being so developing software for at least five years five, six years, essentially. And to be proficient, it takes 10, really. 
So, you know, there is people that are, uh, and how can I, as I, going back to the point that I was making earlier, how could you, how could somebody be a consultant or helping, doing some consulting with six months of one year of experience, like what they will be teaching, what they will be consulting with, okay? So I'm just very clear about the term consultancy, okay? It's not, you know, it's, um, uh, we are not giving, just giving man power, right? We are actually performed there to solve a problem. And in order to solve a problem, we need to know how to do that, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, to go along with that, how could a services firm flip or change this model of overusing junior staff? Part of the problem is that in tech, you will still need to keep studying things and learning things and, and so on. So, um, and that's why you are a junior. This is not a problem with it. The problem is when you go to those companies and they will look put you on on, uh, on this crunch to develop a lot of things that you don't, you have no clue what to do with no guidance on how to do it. And uh, you've been basically you've been thrown in the so the model works because you have been thrown in the pit, and uh, uh, assuming that a few of the people will actually make it make it through and uh, develop everything. So that's the model, right? So how can how can a company do better? Well, first of all, start thinking how many what is a good ratio, how many people you can train companies can train at any given time. It's uh, one per team, it's two per team, it's uh, one every two teams, I don't know, okay? The companies can do some training. However, I would say that as in tech, in technology, if you want to be a software developer or something like that, the best place for you to learn is to uh, maybe join a product company and then after one or two years, flip to another product company and then after another one, two years, flip to another product company and keep repeating this for maybe uh, five, eight years or something like that. And then you, you will get a wide range of experience and also a good salary out of it, of this, of this flip. In services firm, it's actually very hard. It's uh, uh, the way I've kind of climbed my way out of that, uh, uh, of that problem is via uh, open source. So essentially by completely different uh, in a completely different manner, okay? So it's completely, um, I've always decided my own path and my own faith, essentially. But that's a, a model that's probably not work, worthwhile, was not, might not work for everybody. So um, I realize that I'm not the norm. So I'm mostly talking for, for all of you. Sure. Um, would you feel that a higher ratio of involvement from seniors into these teams that currently are comprised of a lot of juniors, do you feel that that would be a good short-term solution? <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. No. The problem is it, it won't work for uh, uh, the business model of those companies. They will never do it. Because... Sorry, it's it's as simple as that because in order to make money, they need to have this level of mix. Otherwise, they won't have profit. Uh, how long does it take to learn how to work with a client? It depends. So it really depends how much a different seniority level it's, it's different. Okay. It typically uh, takes me um, 
one dash too much to start understanding something, okay? Uh, but other people can take way longer, mainly because I I, I I've done the I all time me old me will take maybe six months, okay, uh, to to get a good grasp of the company of a company. Now it's maybe one one month, and I I can see the dynamics. Well, we, humans are pretty much repetitive. So once you have seen a few uh, or companies organization, you mostly can you can understand what's happening because you have already solved that problem. You already seen what's happening, so you don't need to invent anything new. You just do what you've invented before, right? So. And would you um, feel that that speaks to your experience at Nearform specifically? Probably my experience Nearform is probably slightly different in that sense. Okay. When we, we we typically do solutions, so we typically build we build a lot of new products for companies. This means that we do these kind of very intense uh, uh, workshops uh, at the beginning of a project to get all the business context that we all the context that we need, so we can grab all the information that we need at very early. And we don't we are not aiming for a full picture of the company or the client organization. We are actually aiming to only know what we need to know. So, and this is where, you know, a lot of experience help. And this is where uh, the whole company actually helps. So we have processes in this to minimize the time is this time, because this is one of the hardest parts of, of the business. Um, our next question is, what do you say to the idea that it is the consultant's job to build the knowledge of your own clients? So this is uh, very important. Uh, so most companies in the tech field professional services, they aim to hook the client and keep the client as long as they can. At Nearform, we have a different philosophy. What we want, we aim our clients to be uh, to, to stay on their feet, to live on their feet, to completely be able to stand alone without Nearform. So we leave the, the client in a better shape than when we started working with them. This typically means doing a lot of knowledge transfer, doing a lot of... Uh, uh, teaching to some extent, doing a lot of uh, in, in, for a few clients, I'm actually doing helping them re completely rejig their interview process because they were not getting the right candidates in. You know, I am. I've heard that I am a pretty tough uh, interviewer, um, but I don't know. I don't doesn't seem true to me. But uh, people tell me that I've been I'm pretty tough in interviews. Okay, so. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's it. Okay. So. So by imparting your knowledge to clients, don't you cannibalize your own business? Of course, of course. That's the actual. You know, that's the reason. Okay. It's. Uh, 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 but that's what's good for the for the for the client, right? I feel it's good to be honest. Okay, and transparent. So. Some clients want to stand on their feet. On their feet. Some clients don't even want to bother. It's very clear to understand which one is what the goal of the client is, and help them reach that goal. So it's uh, uh, you don't. If the client wants to stand on their feet, they can and they would. That's good stuff. Okay. But if they don't, then you know why forcing them. The point, the, the good point is being honest with them, okay? 
and not trapping them into it, which is, however, what others do. So um, their goal is to trap them into into some long-time support contracts, essentially. So, you know, they highly subsidize the building phase of a product. This is a very typical business model. They subsidize a little bit the the building phase of a product, and then they lock the client in with long maintenance contracts so that they can't really stay without the company. So, which is totally legal, but they did, you know, basically the, the client is not really budgeting for it to some extent. Or maybe they do and they're happy with it, which is also okay. But, um, yeah, essentially. Is the analyst role and the consultant role different? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I have not. I, I've, I've never understood it. Okay. So I am, I am, I am as lost as you are. Like I am, I am not. It's, uh, 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 yeah, like I have no clue. Like I'm, I, for me, it's not, but one is the junior one of the other, but really I would, it's, you would do it. I, to be honest, I'm not, it's, uh, um, what are you on? Like, it would be good if you would be analyzing something anyway, but most of the people that have met, or I've been an analyst, whatever, and uh, uh, that have met are not really analyzing anything. So what are, why it's called an I, There is this thing called the analyst programmer. There's some job title of, like that, and I'm not even sure what that is. Okay, so I'm supposed to analyze software. Software. Those people typically are thrown into working eight hours a day developing. So why are they? What are they analyzing? Again, in order to analyze, you need to be very proficient in what you are seeing. It's actually one of the hardest things in software: are analyzing stuff. So, or understanding business processes or whatever. So, I don't know. I'm not so convinced on on on, on the term. Where does this design happen? Is there a specific room for design in consulting? So, uh, yeah, uh, design is actually fundamental. So you're always, like, if you are there, you're there to solve a problem, which means design a solution. So it's typically you, the typical, the typical consulting cycle is understand when there is, where there is a problem. Okay, understand what is the problem, find the root cause of the problem, find typically the root cause of the root cause of the root cause of the problem, because typically it's two, three, four, five level up. Okay, most of the time it's a human problem. I would call it 90% of the time, 90, 95, it's humans. Humans are, you know, you can see uh, uh, from, uh, oh, my software does not scale when does, my e-commerce does not stay up when there is uh, when uh, the influencer posts a, uh, a screenshot with a link, post, post a, a link to my site, okay, uh, and it's typically a human problem at uh, at some point. Typically at the CEO or CTO layer, somebody made a very bad decision, and they don't even realize that their decision is actually the root cause of the root cause of the root cause of what caused the outage in in production. Okay, so it's it's so funny from time to time. So the solution is design when you're when you understand this problem, design a solution to solve it. 
You're with a client and it becomes clear that they have not identified the problem. What would you do? Haha, <laughs> okay, I like it. Uh, well, I keep asking why, you know, and I've been, and people were, typically you can see that you are into something because they don't, can give you an answer when they can, somebody can't give you an answer to a why question. They, they, you're probably, you have probably hit the sweet spot. You're probably making jackpot. You're probably on the right path. So if somebody cannot explain why, they, why they're doing a certain thing, that's where you have the problem. So keep asking, keep asking, keep digging. It's not a nice thing. A lot of the time it requires to um, reverse engineer, as we say, certain part of companies. So um, I don't know, you need to do, okay, let's understand. So they're implementing this process and this process was not uh, actually mapped anywhere. So you actually need to, okay, let's put it on paper, describe how this process looks like, and then fix it, okay? So, um, and then you can actually ask why, present what you've done to the client and um, get it to to approve that. Like it, it happened recently on a on one of my clients where we needed to, to help them and there was a, we found out that there was a problem in uh, in the in a in a e-commerce site, and that uh, it's uh, uh, something was incredibly um, the confirmation for for the stock levels was incredibly slow, and there were problems of uh, items that were sold that were not in in stock and vice versa, and uh, uh, turns out that the fundamental problem was that uh, part of the stock that was available for on the site to be sold was literally only mapped as a post-it attached to somebody's screen. And the, the only thing that we had to do was actually take build some software to take, to uh, because this person did, did not have a tool to do what they needed to do, so they were just putting the stuff on the screen, okay? And... Uh, uh, and instead, we actually had to build a tool to help them, help this person to move it from the post-it to, from post-it to, to an actual management tool. Okay. However, you need to keep asking why up until you find out the, the, the problem, right? And they were just like, yeah, because a lot of people were actually saying, and we did a lot of interviews, and a lot of people said, oh, we just asked this person. She's the only one that can actually answer those questions. And after two or three started, so you understand where the choke point is. Is this person was absolutely overworked because she had, they had to do, they had to reply to all these queries and information. And it turns out that the information was literally attached to the to to, to her screen. So if he's, if she was not at the office, she could not even reply. So are there any thoughts on how to become a better communicator? Okay, um, somebody's born like that. Okay, you don't need to do anything. Very happy. I'm very happy for all of you that have this skill. Okay, uh, most people don't, so you you will need to learn how to present and convince people. Uh, there are quite a few. Uh, I've read books, to be honest, which seems counterintuitive. So I've read books and I've asked for feedbacks. So. I'm going to give a, a few book recommendations on this. So there is the wall uh, presentation then series from Gar Reynolds. It's uh, um, it's really important. Okay, 
on uh, it's a really important uh, uh, really important books that most people should 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 read. It's essentially help you to organize your thought and uh, prepare the slideware for for your presentations. So how do you uh, frame the conversation? How do you create material that's actually engaging for the stay for the people on stage? For the people, when you go present them, it can be just in a, in a boardroom versus uh, a, a big stage. It doesn't matter, okay? You don't want to, to make them sleep. So if you don't want to make them sleep and you, you don't have that verb from the start, you might want to uh, uh, a little bit uh, study. That's it. <laughs> and it's, it's awkward to say, well, how do you learn to communicate? Studying. How do you learn everything else probably in life? Okay, so just study. I that I'm kind of a nerd, so that that's what I do. There are a few other books. Um, one is um, let me find see if I can find uh, um, this book. It's actually pretty good. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, if you have not read it, I would say. It's one of the best books on uh, on how to learn how to communicate. It's not related really to communication at all, but it really may matter now your brain work, which is the uh, it's fundamental to get the uh, to understand and actually create. Uh, uh, and actually play with, with the Jedi tricks with people, essentially. It's, uh, you know, you can predict how things will work if you understand, if you, if you understand them close enough. So it's, uh, yeah, no, I would recommend that reading that book and the book about presentations, the three book about presentations are really, really uh, uh, useful in my, in my point of view. And finally, does consulting pose ethical challenges and how would you deal with them? Uh, okay, there are, I think, two levels of ethical challenges at play. The first one is with the client industry, okay? So uh, as a consultant, you might be asked to work in an industry that does not align with your personal values. Let me make an example. You might uh, be asked to help uh, write software for uh, war helicopters or a tank, you know, you that's that's a fundamental, you know, help a company make guns. What are guns used for? Killing people. Okay, uh, oh, but that's the point. Okay, or defend. But now you you have you have the choice, right? The question is, would you would you work in that industry? And uh, or you might be okay. Let's work with a company that do. Uh, lab tests on animals. Would you work for that company? Okay, and uh, or you know, uh, after all the scandals with the crack in finance and the mortgage, whatever, would you work in finance? You know, that was. Those are all le legit questions, and anybody can only, uh, you can only answer those yourself. Okay. However, if you are a uh, um, a consultant, okay, in a lot of fields, you need to. I typically care a lot of um, helping people, so if uh, if I'm helping people, I am kind of good, 
okay and if i am making the life of people better in a few ways i'm very happy so that's my personal main driver um but you know the question is the question stands okay uh, would you work for uh, for a company that is uh, literally evading taxes okay that's a question okay would you would you would you implement that software you know that's a question for uh, all of us okay uh, the other technical the other ethical challenge is when you have the interest of your employer versus the interest of the um uh, of the of the client in my personal view in order to be a good consultant you should always put the interest of the client first so uh and which means that if it's a client it's if the good option for the client is to uh, uh help them exit the comp the stop your dependency with with you and to close the contract that's what you would do okay and i am um, try to do what's right for my clients and not what's right for for near for and this has paid off immensely uh, for the company because then it's uh, 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 then word of mouth spread okay and in our industry is very tight it's very small in the world everybody knows each other so they know that we don't mess with people we don't mess with the clients okay we don't you know we we are very we are very straight and therefore people move industry change companies because the client that you uh, you do not behave well today will can be a client tomorrow right so at the, the person at least can be another one in the next kid so you need to treat everybody fairly thank thank you thank you that's really interesting to note uh i think well on that note i think we can wrap it up thank you for joining us and sharing your thoughts and experiences with us today thank you it was really nice amazing i thank you for listening the music is impulse by ben prompty from his album chromatic t rex and used with his permission 